morning. It is indeed no true that our God is so great. Amen. Um, welcome, dear brothers and sisters. It is a joy to see you here and to know as well that you are tuning in online with us, wherever you are in your homes. It is a wonderful privilege indeed that it is this on this day we could gather as God's people to worship and sing praises together, and right now, to worship Him by listening to His Word. And if you've been here for Karunlang uh, Sunday, we are tackling the book of Matthew, and we've been at it since last year, Matthew 5. Now we are in Matthew 24, uh, in the verses of 4, uh, 16 to 28. But before we start with that, I was... Uh, me and Jay, we had a wonderful conversation with a dear brother for ours back in, when we were in seminary. He's a military officer. And talking about him being in the military, what was life like after uh, he graduated from his master's degree in IGSL, what, how did his life change, um, and how was the Lord using him mightily in his field of ministry? And... and it just came to me that, you know, like a, a military, you know, these are cadets. They are college degree students, but they're now spending the four, the four years of their life as young people at the prime of their youth. And what they're doing is that they are beating their body into submission. They're training. They are made to wake up early in the morning, even their haircut. Is, is, uh, has to be uh, disciplined and they are working their muscles hard to gain strength. And so when I look at how the military trains their people from being a young person, training their, their bodies, training their minds and giving them uh, harsh weather conditions, harsh times of the day that they would be exposed to and be prepared to what they would be facing, not during their time as cadets, but what they would be facing years and years later out there when they are going to be called in the line of duty to defend their country. And so some of the trainings would be, uh, you know, uh, they would wake up and be exposed to terrible cold just so that they would experience it and know how to and be prepared that when their bodies would be exposed to these extreme conditions, they would be able to persevere and endure and be able to carry out their duties. So, but they don't move. Uh, they don't just stay as cadets. You see, they will then run drills later on and their trainings would become more sophisticated. They would be using now uh, their weapons, they'd be trained now to use weapons. They would be trained now to use tactics. They would now be trained from the basics, now moving on to advanced drills, working as a unit, working with other different personnel so that they would learn these tactics. And this is uh, the drill in Balikatan. Okay? They're, they're still training. And they're, they're training for worst-case scenarios. What would be the worst case that could happen and how could we prepare for it? That's the mindset of how our military personnel are being trained. 
And so when a disaster such as this, this is the Sambuanga or the Marawi siege. Okay, remember a few years ago, rebels came in in the city and, and uh, took siege. And look, this is the, what they learned, what they've been preparing for. They've been preparing their emotions. They've been preparing their bodies, their minds, so that when it happens, and they never knew, right, that this would happen. But they've been, pre they've been preparing, and so they were prepared when it finally happened. And why am I talking about the military? Because God and His Word tells us that Christians, we are to be like soldiers. Okay? If we think we have nothing to do with war. If we think we are safe here in the Philippines, and, and, and since we are civilians, we have the police and we have the military to do the fighting for us, we, it now becomes alien to many of us that we are at war even as I stand here in front of you and you are looking at me and hearing, uh, listening to me. We are at war right now, God said, and yet many of us don't know how to fight the good fight of faith, how to wage war against our uh, inner fleshly desires and to worship God and glorify God when we are tempted by our temptations, when we are uh, tempted by lust, when we are tempted by greed, when we are tempted by sadness, anxiety, depression, fear. We don't know how to wage war and so we get defeated so easily. And so, Jesus here is going to talk about the future. And the future has something to do, so has a great deal to do with you and me. Because our future is included here. And so we, we should pay attention as we ought to every time we listen to God's Word because as we believe, if we believe that it is God's Word, He has said that this is... All Scripture is sufficient for all of life, every part of your life. Whether you be a parent, be a teacher, whatever stage you are right now, the Word of God is so precious to you. It is the only way that you could travel in this life and be okay. And so, the words of God and Jesus Himself says, starting on verse 16, and if you have Bibles, please open them up. Read for yourselves. Don't just depend on other people to do the reading for you. Read along. Open your Bibles. We might not have the opportunity. Train yourself right now to be Bible lovers, to be Bible readers. And so Matthew 24, 16 says, Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. And whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, great tribulation. And such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. 
But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then, if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance, so that if they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Let's pray. Lord, we are really coming to you with the only confidence that we have, Lord, is because you have invited us first. And Lord, help us to understand these great words of yours that is pulling back the curtain and allowing us to, to catch a glimpse, Lord, of what will happen. And though there would be terrifying pictures, pictures of the future, Lord, that would threaten to make us afraid, to make us weak in our knees, I pray, O oh Lord, that we would understand the why you have given these words and that we, we would take it to heart and we would not be complacent. We would not think this would never happen to me. But because you have said this, these are your words. These are precious for us. I pray, O oh Lord, that we as your people would treasure it in our hearts, even as unpleasant it may seem to many. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... What's going on here is that, and forgive my drawing. <laughs> okay, so Jesus is preaching what we now know as the Olivet Discourse, the Sermon in the Mount of Olives. And this will span two chapters, Matthew 24 and 25. And what uh, tri triggered this, or before this happened, is that Jesus was at the temple, and he said, this is going to be the last time I'm going to be here. I've given you so many chances and so the temple of God that used to be the temple of God, Jesus now said, God will no longer be in this place. God will abandon these people. You will have a religion, but God will not be in it. And Jesus said, he pronounces a judgment on them, on their generation. And he gets out of the temple. On their way home, they have to go through the Mount of Olives. And from here, they have a great vantage point of the temple. And here, the disciples ask him the question, hey, Jesus, could it really be? See, the, the walls of the temple are so wonderful. It's so strong, right? And, and Jesus said, and tells them the future. That, no, it may seem like that's, that's going to be impregnable. It may seem like it's so beautiful. It may seem like it's so full of life and full of worship. But I tell you, Jesus said, it's going to get destroyed. Not one stone is going to be left on that pile of... Uh, 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 building. And, and this was the disciples being allowed to look way ahead in the future. And true enough, he, Jesus said this in the first two verses of Matthew 24, 
it happened 70 years later. And there were people still alive that listened to the, the words of Jesus spoken here and they witnessed these tragic events. And you know what is a sign of a prophet, of, of a true prophet, that what every prediction that he makes comes true. And so Jesus allows them to see that he is really God and man. He is his function, one of his functions is to be a prophet. He tells them that there's a destruction of the temple. Now here we are, year 2020, the church of Christ. We look back on year 70 AD and we also see, yes, in God's word, he said he gave a prophecy. It came true. History has proof that it really happened. This is not fiction. This is real. And that is a miracle by itself because he's, Jesus predicted it to, be hap to happen and it happened. But Jesus didn't just mean that his second coming would happen in year 70, 80 because Jesus has not obviously come back again during 70, 80, right? Life is still going on. We're now 2020, right? We, we, we are sitting here, uh, uh, December of 2020, <laughs> months later after facing a very terrible year of the facing COVID. And yet, we are all still waiting the second coming of Jesus Christ. So they are waiting, and we still are waiting for His second coming. Now, when his disciples heard his prediction of what will happen in the temple, and they didn't know it was going to happen 70 years later, because Jesus didn't tell them specifically when, they asked him a question. They asked him several questions. Jesus, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of you coming again and the end of the age? And that's what then will now trigger the sermon of Jesus Christ in the 24 and the remaining verses of 24 and 25. He's going to answer them the when, and He's going to answer them the what. But Jesus will say some details, and He will not say specifically some details. And He has a very good reason why. And so, Jay preached about this weeks ago, that he, he, Jesus is talking about as we are living in the last days and all of us right now, year 2020 and way back then, all are living now in the last days. And in the last days, one of the mark really is all of us will face tribulation. And like uh, any mother here who experienced giving birth, you have experienced what Jesus has, you know, described how our problems are going to be in this world. That it will come in waves and it'll get stronger and stronger and, and far worse until the climax will happen. But what is tribulation? What does that mean? Tribulation means suffering. Okay? Tribulation means you're troubled. You're, you have a problem. Us facing COVID, whatever in your season right now, you're having a difficulty in your business. Everything's affected. Right now, we are in, in, in our homes and some of our loved ones have been sick. Maybe some of people that we know and dearly love have passed away. That's tribulation. We're experiencing terrible distress. We're suffering. We're, we're being afflicted. 
disease and all that, troubles, and of course, being persecuted because of our faith in Christ. All of these are included in the idea that this is all, this is what we're going to face. As disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers of Christ, you will face troubles, great troubles, tribulation, and that, but then, as I said, this is no great tribulation. The tribulation that we are experiencing right now, COVID, will in no way compare to what will happen in the great tribulation. This will be the worst thing that will ever happen in the history of the world. And what will trigger that is what last Sunday sermon, Joel told us that when the Antichrist appears, the deceiver, the great deceiver will come, it will now trigger this series of events that Jesus describes as the great tribulation. And of course, this is, there is no question in all of the churches of Christ, in all over the world, that they will agree, yes, there will, there will come a great tribulation. There is no question in all of Christianity that Christ will come and get His elect. There are questions right now, and even then, when? Will Christ save the church and rapture the church, take out the church before the great tribulation happens? Or will Christ take us out, rapture us, after only the church has gone through the great tribulation along with the rest of the world? Now, these are not two little things. Before, after, because you will prepare differently if your mindset, your heart is set that God will take you out before you experience great tribulation. And you will prepare differently if, if you have set in your heart and in your mind that I'm going to prepare after I've faced an even greater tribulations than what I've ever experienced in my whole entire life and the whole entire world. And so, to title this sermon, The Christian Hope During the Darkest of Times. That yes, hope could still be found in Christ even if we have to go through the great tribulation. Because all of Bible scholars, they're not so proud. They would say, well, my stance is this. I think the Lord will take us out before, but I could be wrong. Both sides. Pwede ko masayop. Okay? We're not sure. And so, if you're just preparing to be raptured before the great tribulation, and Christ chose to and allowed us to go through great tribulation, you could be ill-prepared. And so, let's ask, what did Jesus want His disciples to do when He told them about the future? See, Jesus is a shepherd he, in, in heart. He's a pastor, right? He, is, he wants that when he just, He's telling them about the future, He has something in mind for their benefit. This is not just, you know, but... 
you know what's going to happen to you in the future. No, okay? It's going to be bad. I'm just here to frighten you. Okay? I, I'll just tell you so that you will be frightened. And see, Jesus is not so callous as that. He's, he loves us. And when He tells us this, he, there is an intention. And that intention is good and love, loving. And what, what, what is it? Okay, so he says this in verse 25 of our text. He said, look, listen, pay attention. Behold, I have told you in advance. Okay, and so if I'm telling you this in advance, he's going to say two things. You're gonna, we have to prepare for two things that will happen. The first is we have to prepare as God's people not to be deceived. Make sure Nobody here in this lifetime, in this earth, or has written books, or has made videos, right, will deceive you. He said that way earlier in this chapter. Verse, 20, verse 4, he said, this is a command, by the way, see to it, make sure nobody misleads you. And he repeats it again in our text. When he said this in verse 4, he said that during regular tribulation. Our time right now. He said, even during regular life time, it's not the great tribulation yet. Make sure you don't get misled. Make sure nobody deceives you with what is true and what is false. And now he says it in the great tribulation. Make sure during the great tribulation, don't let anybody deceive you. It's the same. And, and the second one that he said, to prepare for is not to be frightened. Make sure that during regular tribulation, regular troubles, and I'm not saying, I'm not belittling our troubles right now. Our troubles right now are so serious. It's life and death. It, it's, it's real. But then, don't be frightened. And many people don't really get frightened until death comes knock, knocking at their door. When the, the, the danger becomes clear and present. You see, a lot of us, we go to the malls since all your life, right? I mean, if you've been born since 1990s, Katkai was there already. And before that, we had Gaisano Barrio and we had Ororama Mega Center. Okay? So, we've, we've, we're used to going to public places, Kogon Market. It never felt dangerous to go during those days. Even though the threat of tuberculosis is already there. Even though the moment you step out of your house, an accident could happen. You could die in the street, in a motorcycle, in your car. You see, it's only when, because it, it felt like it'll never happen to me. Right? All these dangers, me getting diseases from a mall during those days, never really seemed real. It seems so real now in COVID time because of, you know, how educated we are right now and the technology and the news. And so the threat is so real that the, for the first time in our life as Filipino Christians, the, the reality of going to church, the reality of going to GCAF, it has sunk in that Wait a minute, if I go to church, I could die? And it has frightened many. 
But that's, see, that's regular tribulation. And that's our command already. As Christians, fight. Don't get frightened like the rest of the world who has no hope. And now in, in tribulation time, Jesus said, all the more. When people are scared and desperate, what do they do? They cling to whatever hope is being offered. And so Jesus said, don't be frightened. Don't go out even though they're offering hope and safety. They'll say, the, uh, maybe the people that will say, hey, Christ is here. Safety is here. And there, it's a trap because that's what they want with Christians to come and they will pounce on them and kill them. Don't go out. Don't go there. And don't believe them. Even if they're saying, Christ is here, Christ is there. He's here in a secret thing, place. We have a secret meeting there. Don't get frightened. Don't get desperate. Be able to know what is true and what is not. Don't panic. Now, you could, you could ask the question, really? Is that really how it would be? I mean, I've faced terrible uh, times in my days. I, don't imagine, I can't imagine there will be something far worse. And so Jesus says in five verses, pictures of everyday life, how it would be like when the great tribulation will happen. Remember, the tri tribulation will happen when the Antichrist appears. It will happen in a very fast time. And so he says, Jesus says this in verse 16. He says, then, when that happens, when you are in, if you find yourself in the city of Judea, escape, flee, go right away to the mountains. And it could be argued that, hey, this is for, this is for Jews, you see? That's the city of Judea, and the, the, the mountains there is the surrounding region. And, but that is if you believe that the, the church will be raptured before the Great Tribulation. But it could also be, and it's still open, that yes, we will go through. And the mountains is understood as a place of safety. It's, safe, it's safer than to be in a city where all the technology, all the military and, 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 and police would have access, right? It would be easier to catch you in the city rather than in the mountains. So Jesus is not saying needless martyrdom here. Don't say during these times, well, I'm a Christian, kill me, okay? Go, run for safety when this happens. And, and so, verse 17, another picture of life is that if you are in the housetop, meaning you're, you, you just happen to be, you know, right just outside your house, and these things happen, you don't have time. You're going to get out. You don't even have the time to get your things. It's like in the, in the fire, right? When the fire is so dangerous, it's not like we see here, you know, na, go inside the house, get your refrigerator, right? Ah, carry it outside. Go back inside, get your TV, right? And, and all these things, then get your baby after, okay? Break that in order. So, you know, you don't have the time. It is so severe, it is so sudden that if you go back to your house, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. Verse 18, whoever's in the field must not 
turn back to get his cloak. And the picture, the idea of a cloak, basic needs. That's something you need for warding off against the cold. You don't even have time. And in the field, you're in the work. You're in the workplace. You're there. It happens. Get out. Run for your life. And in verse 19, and woe, woe to those who will be pregnant during this time. Woe to those who would have nursing babies in those days. And it, it could be said that, no, now that, you know, being pregnant, it's harder to travel. It could be understood that having nursing babies, of course, infants, toddlers, they'd be more vulnerable to the, the conditions. So it, it would be, they would be in a very pitiful state. But it could also mean what happened during Moses' time when he was a baby and the, and the Egyptian king wanted to eliminate the threat of God's people. Egyptian soldiers would go house to house. You know, just like what we, uh, we experienced, the Tokhang. But this time, they would be looking for babies. That time, in Moses, they would be looking for babies. And when they would find babies, they'd pick babies up and they'd smash them against the wall, pierce them with weapons, kill them. And if they'd find women pregnant, they'd slash their bellies open and kill them. What happened during Jesus' time? When King Herod thought G baby Jesus was a threat to his kingship because he was the king of the Jews. King Herod said, all babies, all toddlers under two years old below must die. And that's the same thing they did again. They killed all babies in sight. And we're celebrating Christmas this month. And we think Christmas came without... Can you just imagine the cries and, and, and the pain and the anguish and the wail of sorrow in Jerusalem at that time in Bethlehem of mothers who were pregnant and mothers who had nursing babies? The, ter the, the tragedies that will happen during the Great Tribulation will pale in comparison to what we've seen how evil men can be. We can pray. We can pray that our flight, our escape might not be in the winter where we would, more of us will die. And we will pray that in, in, if, if they're in the city of Judea or legalistic Jews, that you don't, they don't escape during Sabbath because they, their own countrymen would kill them for breaking the Sabbath law. And Jesus said, there will be a great tribulation. It's never, it's never, nothing you've ever seen or heard before. Now, how are you preparing? Before? May God take us before. Yes. What about if it's after? Are you prepared? Are you preparing? And yet, here are reasons why we, as, a, as your pastors here, would urge you, prepare for after. Prepare for after. We, we, uh, just four, you know, there's more, but there, just four quick 
biblical basis why we think so. You see, during the Great Tribulation, it's not just going to be non-believers, non-Christians who will die during this time. The Bible is so clear that many of God's people, His beloved people, will be killed during the Great Tribulation. Revelation 6, verse 8. John looks up and sees a horse whose color was pale green. His rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. And those two were given authority that one-fourth of the entire population of the world will die by sword, by famine, hunger, or disease. Can you imagine one-fourth of the world? If we are a hundred of us in this room, 25 of us will remain alive. Sorry. Uh, 75 of us will remain alive. 25 of us will die. Not all are going to make it during the Great Tribulation. That's the reality. And if that's going to be your husband, if that's going to be your mom, if that's going to be your dad, your, your son, are you ready for what hope to cling on to when that happens? And the next verse, the verse right after, when the Lamb, Christ, breaks the fifth seal, John sees the altar of the souls of all who had been martyred for the Word of God, God's people, and for being faithful in their testimony. Many of God's people will be killed during the Great Tribulation. The second is that Jesus said that His second coming will be at the end of the Great Tribulation. He didn't say it's before. It's in our passage in Matthew 24. He said, when you see the abomination, the, the Antichrist appear, immediately it's going to happen. The Great Tribulation is going to happen. That's, see? But then, in verse 29 and 31, and we're skipping ahead here. That's going to be talked about next week. But I have to establish this as well. Immediately after the tribulation, the great tribulation, only will he then send the trumpet call and gather his elect, the rapture. So, third basis is that the Antichrist will appear. Wait, that, this is it. And, and again, in connection with the Antichrist appearing before the second coming. 2 Thessalonians 2 3. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come the second coming, unless the apostasy, the Antichrist, comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Next basis is this. Paul wrote that the last trumpet will be blown and then the dead and those who are alive will meet the Lord in the air, will be raptured. And we see that in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, for the Lord Himself will come down and with a cry and a command, he'll tell his archangel, blow the trumpet, and the dead on Christ will rise first. The, blow the sound of the trumpet, and the dead of Christ will rise first. 
that we who are still alive, those who would still be alive during this time, that time, who are left, will be caught together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always then be with the Lord. Now, he said, there's a trumpet. Paul explains better in Corinthians. What is that order on the trumpet? In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, and if you know your revelation, the last trumpet is blown after every bad things, worse things have happened. And for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and changed forevermore, imperishable, given eternal bodies. So we urge you to consider preparing if you, you have been understanding from your Left Behind series books and all that we are going to be taken before that God will somehow make His people exempted from what will happen in the Great Tribulation. Oh, safe. I'll be safe. I don't have to prepare. We urge you, dear brothers and sisters, as it is a reality right now that many of our brothers and sisters in the different parts of the world are facing terrible tribulations, we here in the Philippines ought to prepare that one day what we are enjoying here in the Philippines will change. And yes, it would, be, it would mean you could die for coming to church. It would mean you would die if you pray out publicly. Yes, it, you, it would mean that you would die if you would carry a Bible and they'd see you. Yes, it would mean you would die if your family feels threatened by your faith in Christ, that you won't give it up and they'll report you to the government. Prepare. And again, remember, two things to prepare for. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Matthew 24, 24 says, If anyone at that time says to you, Look here, is the Christ, or there he is, don't be deceived. Don't believe it. How would you know? How would you know? How would you know what is true and what is right? How would you know false Christ from the true one? Did you know that right now, even as we speak, that is what is being uh, preached and taught every day of this world that we are living in. There is a real gospel. There is a real Jesus being taught in, the, in churches, but not all. You might be in your house listening right now to some and you don't know. How will you know? Are you studying the Word of God? Are you preparing that there would be false prophets and they will appear and they will perform great signs and miracles? You ask, how can this be that so many people will get deceived? Dili claro? I mean, you could tell what is fake and what is real. But God said that it would happen. It is happening now. It might happen to some of us right now that we have been deceiving, been deceived. And here, to deceive even the elect if it were not possible. And again, we've tackled this text several times, I think, during my first few years here. And the good news is for the real children of God, 
It won't. You won't be deceived. Are you a real child of God? You better make sure. Here, I'll give you a sales pitch. If you buy this medicine, you will have no problem for the rest of your life. Okay? If you buy this medicine, guarantee your pains and troubles will go away. Okay? All you got to do is just invest, you know? Give the money, right? And, and it will be yours. You know, that, that is a very common sales pitch. You know, marketing uh, people and, and tr- people trying to sell you things. They, they, they will promise you the sun and the moon so that you will buy their product. And yet, we also know that, you know, uh, pyramid scheme, you know, the, the, the con man, people telling you that this is the miracle cure, this will cure all your problems and disease. If you are ignorant, if you remain ignorant, if you are also desperate and afraid for your life, you would be so afraid and desperate that you would believe anything people will tell you that is a cure. And when people say, this is a cure for my depression, this is a cure for my being poor, this is a cure for my being problematic in life, all my problems will go away, I'll get rich, I'll take that cure. Is that, is that brand Jesus? Okay, brand Jesus? Okay. Right now, people are selling a kind of Jesus, a kind of Christianity, a kind of gospel that they will say, you know, it's generic, one all be all, all of us will meet in heaven. Whatever you believe, man, you know, I respect you. We'll all meet in heaven anyways. And they're, they're going to sell that religion to you. And, and you who have the same mindset and you love that kind of truth, oh yeah, let's just accept everybody. You know, God is so loving, right? And, and you'd have a different God and you'd embrace a different gospel and you think that's the cure. Hook, line, sinker, you have just been deceived. And what if, you know, there's a whole lot of, out there. It's not just that the, the non-Christians are selling you a kind of religion. It is from within the church. A pastor would come up here and he'd preach to you. Everybody here should be rich. Even here in GCAF, we like that. We like that for several years. We like hearing that if we you know, do something for God, wow, we get all of this. We like that, right? Didn't we? And didn't we know? We didn't know. A lot of us didn't know. Growing up, I was ignorant myself. I thought that was the truth until I discovered in Scripture, that's not right. And so, it's a reality that even here in Jakaf, false preachers and teachers have come up to this stage that I am climbing and, st- and, and, and standing on and have preached to you a lie. And many of us have not been able to tell. And those who have been in position have not done their duties as well. And so, what would be God's purpose for allowing these 
infiltration to our churches, these false preachers, these false gospels to come. You know, with a word, God would say, stop, and everything would stop. You know, they'd all fall dead. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be over. See, this would be one problem down if God would just say, no more. And why would He allow it? 2 Thessalonians 2.10 gives us a reason. God will use every kind, uh, you know, He will use every kind of evil deception, Antichrist. And the spirit of Antichrist is real today. That will deceive you, fool you, to go to hell, in your way to hell. You'd be skipping happily on your way to hell. Right? Because these are the people who refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. The Bible is right there, maybe beside your lap. The Bible is right there, you have access to right now in your home. Do you treasure it? Do you love it? Do you obey it? Do you think that this is the only life? See, the words that have life. Would you, would you say like Peter, where else can we go, O Lord? You have the words of life. Or would you say, boring Bible, let me get some interesting things and show in your heart, in your love, you refuse to love and accept the truth of God. That could only, that could only, the only thing that could save you. And so God is using this, deceptions, people that will tickle your ear because that's what you like. If a prophet, and it's not, an old, it's not a new problem, it's not a, it's not a New Testament problem. Moses, the, it's a problem as old as Moses' time. Deuteronomy 13, 1 to 3. If a prophet, familiar? A dreamer of dreams. I have a friend that uh, was uh, exposed me to that. This is reality now. We have Filipino dreamer of dreams, they're online. You, you log in, right? And you, you ask them, and he's going to ask you, she or he is going to ask you, what would you like to know? Something like that. And, and you would say, oh, uh, this is my life. And then, and then they'll tell you a, a vision, a dream. He'll, they'll interpret things for you. And it can come true, okay? It would be a miracle. It would be a sign or a wonder. During the last days, people will not be doing magic tricks like what you see, magic tricks, sleight of hand. It would be real magic. It would be real signs. It will be real miracles. They will cure you of cancer. They will heal you. That's why until now, right? After going to the hospital, what do many old parents do? Ay, magpa, magpahilot. Faith healing, right? When you're desperate, you want, you know, whatever hope that would be offered. They will give you a sign and a wonder and you will say, wow, it's real. What happens to your faith? No longer in God. It has never been in God. It has been divided. And that, that it will come to pass. It will happen. Here is what one will see. The warning. Don't listen, even if it comes true. Even if, it's, if you see a miracle right before your eyes. Don't listen to the words of that prophet who tells you to worship other gods. They will be exposed by what they're doing now, what they're saying. And here's this reason, God's reason for doing that. Verse 3. 
of Deuteronomy 13. God is testing you. He wants to know whether you love Him with all your heart, with all your soul. So the people who allow themselves to be deceived, the people who like to believe in a different truth other than the truth of the Word of God, are lovers of themselves, are lovers of power, are lovers of money. They don't love God. They will be exposed. The true child of God will not be deceived because he hears the word of God, the warning. Don't, don't listen. And even though a part of him says, oh, it's okay to be rich. It's good to be rich. No. And it, anyway, if the Lord has blessed you with money, I'm not saying, right, that you are to give it all up. But the love of money, greed, covetousness, that's what I'm saying. He's testing you right now. What are the things that you're believing right now in COVID time? Where have you gone? What have you been doing? Where are you right now? Is your love for Him with all your heart and with all your soul? Go back in verse 24. False Christ, false prophets will appear and they'll deceive. No. The true child of God will hear His voice. They will know His voice. They will follow Him. They know their shepherd. But those who don't will be exposed that they've never been real children of God and will be deceived. The second one that would not, don't know how to fight deception and lies, Ephesians 4, 13 and 14 will tell you that yes, they could be real Christians and yet they could be deceived in a sense But this is now in, in, in dangerous ground because in Ephesians 4.13, it will say, this will continue until we come to such unity in our faith. The gifts of God, meaning this here is that the context here, the, the teaching of the Word, okay? The people, God has given the church the Word of God. And God has given the church gifts, people who are commanded to teach the Word of God to people. And if the church obeys His command. This will continue until the people of God will have a unity in our faith. That means we will have the right understanding of God's Word. We will have a unity in our faith and we will be united in what we believe in Christ and God all the way back to our OT brothers and sisters. And knowledge of God's Son, what's that? Obedience. Learned discipline and obedience resulting from the right knowledge and faith of Christ comes the evidence of our resulting lives. Righteous living. Knowledge of God's Son, that means we are now living out God's Word for our lives. And what will happen? We become mature. And what happens if you are now maturing growing in your knowledge and in your obedience and your trust and faith in Christ Jesus, you will no longer become immature, said 14. You will no longer be tossed and blown about like, like you know, palid-palid. Ay, mo ba? Ay, mo ba? 
because you will be mature. You'll know what is true is not. You will no longer be influenced when people try to trick you with lies so clever they will sound like the truth. You will be deceit-proof. They can't fool you anymore. God's Word is sufficient to equip every saint for this. God's Word that is right now you have access to. Biblia, whatever language, Bisaya, English, it is sufficient. Are you being part and obeying Christ in His Word? Are you with brothers and sisters in the Lord? Then you're journeying towards, how do I, this is God's Word, how do I live this out? Oh, praise God, this is, this is how. And you're growing, you're growing. You're now able to tell what is true and what is not. When people say sweet nothings to you, you say, that's poison. That's poison. That's how you prepare. That's how you fight the lies and deception. The Word of God, believed and lived out, growing, you growing and maturing. The second thing that you can prepare so that you will not be frightened. And this is the problem here, no? We, we are, I, I call this the comfortable Filipino Christianity. You see, how, how, how many of us have received the gospel in a way that, you know, you have a problem in your life? Did you know that God loves you? Oh, wow. Do you know that, that, you know, God just wants the best for you? Oh, really? Me too. You know, if you pray the prayer with me, you know, uh, God, you're now God's child and all His promises will be yours. And, 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 and so, when you, you now receive that kind of gospel, you've never really understood that you are totally depraved, sinful to the core. You never really, really thought you needed saving. You know, maybe a few improvements in my life. You know, I do a few sins here and there. But I'm generally a good person. You, 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 don't, you don't need a savior. You don't need a savior. You need a home improver, you know, design, designer, interior designer, maybe a, a contractor. Comfortable Filipino Christianity, listen to your conversation. And many of our conversations would be, you know, where are you guys going? You know, biking, enjoying. And all, all our conversations is about things, about stuff, what we get, you know, where, where have we been? And war, warfare, spiritual warfare is alien for us. You know, you never really think that it's, it's a reality that all these things will happen. You know, I'm exempted from this. And, and, and some of you here right now would see, that, that, that's offensive. Are you questioning my relationship with Christ? Are you questioning the gospel I've heard and trusted for so many years? I'm not. God's word is. I'm just the messenger. So, when you are in the mindset that God's, you know, God's will for you is to have a wonderful life here on earth, you will be frightened when you're facing death. You will be frightened when they're going to close your homes. You will be frightened when 
the things that you used to enjoy and take, you know, as part of a luxury, and you th- think it's now a need, a want, no, a need, a must, you will get frightened. John Piper puts it this way. See, I don't make this up. One of the main dangers in being comfortable in our Christianity is that over time, comfort will tend to feel like something that God or our world is, you know, our privilege, what is owed to us, what, what we once called luxury is now called a need. And so what we are facing during this time is real fear. Fear is a terrible enemy, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't think that you being afraid and anxious is just, you know, a little thing. It's so dangerous to your soul. Why? Because Fear is linked with what you believe. Fear is you are afraid of what promise or what threat you believe in. I had a conversation with my mama. You know, she was rushed in the hospital last week. And she she really said, I was afraid. She she said, I was afraid. And, And one of the things that she was afraid of are the thoughts... What would happen to Papa? What would happen to G and, and her grandchildren? What will happen to them if I'm not gone? If I'm, that, I'm not there to take care of them anymore. Fear like that is real. Fear like that is crippling. Fear like that would be a slaver. It will enslave you. It will capture you. It will make you feel so powerless that you would want to surrender and give up. But that, my dear friends, is misplaced fear because there is a positive fear. There is a good fear. There is a fear that the Lord says, that's good, the fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom. But then there is a fear of all the rest, the fear of losing, the fear of what if, what if, what if, what if. And you're afraid. Fear is a form of faith. Did you know? That's why though so many gentle commands and also harsh rebukes of people who keep being afraid. You're not to surrender to fear. Christians are not enslaved by fear. Your fear, you will fear the promise or threat that you believe in. So how do we fight that? How do we fight that? Because so many of us are, are captives still. And I know them to be brothers and sisters in the Lord, but yet captive still with their fears. Two things or three things, quickly. Keep the Word of God in your heart. And there's verses here. Make them your weapons. Memorize them. List them down. Internalize them. You might not have the opportunity to read Scriptures during this time. Hebrews 2, 15 tells us, that it is Christ who has died for us and He has set you free from the slavery of fear. James, Job 121, when Job lost 
all his family, when Job lost all his loved ones, what did he say? God may give, God may take. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job is saying their lives, all of their lives was in God's hand. God was in control. And James 4, 13 and 15 will say this in a similar sense, that God is sovereign over your life. You will not die one second earlier and one second later than what He has said. And, and some pastor put it this way, he said, isn't that so wonderful? Because before God will say, your time is up, mister, your time is up, sister, you are immortal. You won't die. God, you, God has allowed you, designated for you a time. And so you, the, the fear will tell you, oh, what if I die? What if I die here? What if I die there? What if I then? Right? And fear will threaten you. And, and, and you fight it with saying, God is in the one in control, not you, O fear. Not me, not this world, not those soldiers, not disease. I can rest fully assured that my life will play out if I live in, in faith and obedience to Him. I'm living my life to the fullest. There's no regret here. You could say, death, where is your sting? Then couldn't you? And your life is precious to God. See, not only is He in total control of your life, that He will not allow you one second or one second later from His appointed time. And you can know your life is precious. And in so many cases, God has said, it is mercy to take you home now than to take you home later. I don't want to be callous here because I have a dear sister who's lost her husband in a very young age. But I, I saw a few days ago one of her posts and it was so God-glorifying. She said, if I just focus on the what if, it'll crush my heart. So I'll focus instead on who God is in that sense. And that's how she's fighting fear. That's how she's fighting regret and pain of terrible loss. So our Christian hope during the darkest of times, you would find, and I've purposely skipped a verse. If you're paying attention, I didn't talk about 22. I skipped right away from 33. Christ said something here. Unless those days, the great tribulation had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But here's the reason why God will cut short. For the sake of the elect. There is grace, God's grace, even when it will be us going through the great tribulation. And the Christian hope is in that, who God is, His grace. Our hope is not and never will be anchored in this world because this world is destined for destruction. This world is destined for God's wrath. 
And if you put your hope in this world, that things will be all right here. You know, COVID, after COVID, it'll be all right. You will be disappointed again when it will not be all right. It will grow worse and worse. And if you put your hope there, God said, don't be deceived. Don't do that. Put your hope in Christ, in His victory over sin and death. I have here a video that I want to show you to show you the reality that the tribulation is happening. And it will just be a few more steps before the great tribulation happens. This guy is a Nigerian pastor. His name is Marcus. He, he is standing in a church that was destroyed because of persecution. People there were killed, and yet they are rebuilding again. And R.C. Sproul said, you know, God's grace of preserving His saints, the Christians, is not to make them exempted from troubles. But His grace is to help them see through pains and troubles. Let's listen to his story. I'm here in Nigeria. I'm with Reverend Marco, and uh, Reverend Marco is the pastor in this village, this town right here, and we're standing inside a church that was attacked and uh, torn to shreds by Boko Haram, and Pastor Marco is rebuilding the, the church um, through the help and prayer of your support, and uh, I just want to have him share a short message with you today. Pastor Marco? Okay. Sir, you are welcome. I am very happy for your presence here in Nigeria today. The message that we are going to carry to U.S. is that the U.S. people heard that we are in the crisis of Boko Haram in Nigeria, and they destroyed many things of ours in Nigeria. When they heard it, they continue to pray for us. They help us with money. They help us with food. They help us with different ways of teaching. They help us with Bibles. They help us in many ways. Therefore, we thank God. We thank them very much for that. Okay, the U.S. people, we want to remember you that such thing that happened to us in Nigeria is not a new thing. But this thing has started in the Bible. It has been continuing since yesterday, today, and it will continue. Therefore, we will not say that, let the persecution stop. But we should say that, let God give us the encouragement of enduring Boko Haram. Boko Haram can destroy our houses. Boko Haram can destroy our money. Boko Haram can destroy people. But what we believe is that Boko Haram will never destroy the life that has been given to Jesus Christ. He will never destroy it at all. Therefore, we should not fear. We should be in good hope and in good faith every day and every time. Therefore, the U.S. people, 
we thank you so much for your concern for us. We thank you so much for your concern with us. That is a pastor living in a terrible tribulation. And his faith is intact. His hope is secure. He is rejoicing even through terrible persecution. It's happening. It's not just from an old pastor. Young kids, as er, uh, young boys are standing up and dying as well, but they're standing up for faith. Let me show, give you God's Word. And I'm not going to explain them. I'm just going to read them. And if you, you, you want, you can write them down. You're going to need them one day. And you better keep them in your heart then. John 16, 33, Jesus' words, I have told you all this so that you may have peace, not in the world, but in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. That's our God. That's our God. In 1 Corinthians 15, last passage. And though our dying bodies, it, will, it must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, and our mortal bodies have been transformed into immortal bodies, God's word will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. You need not fear. Because, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's give God a wonderful clap, praise for His Word. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much, Lord, that yes, hope is still to be found even in the great tribulation. And yes, even though many of us might not make it, and those who would remain alive in those days and those who would pass away earlier, may our hope be anchored securely in you. May we prepare as you have told us in advance as a shepherd. May we not, may we fight deception and lies with your truth. May we fight fear with the hope of the victory that you have. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.